Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel. And I have an awesome host. Her name is Heidi and she's going to totally take over my podcast. <laughs> hey, Marianne. Marianne and I have been friends for a few months now. My name is Heidi Weber and I am a whistleblower, number one, and I'm also a host of my own podcast called The Whistleblower Revolution at whistleblowerrevolution.com. See how I had to get that in there, Marianne? But, right, yeah. Um, I, <laughs> was a, I was a higher ed whistleblower, and my case uh, that went through a seven-day jury trial in 2013, and my case has been uh, referenced quite a few times. It was a landmark case. Uh, I was a dean for a for-profit college that I saw was doing a lot of fraud back in the day. And um, I stood up and spoke up by myself um, and went through a seven-day jury trial and the jury was unanimous in my favor. Uh, the school's now closed. I was also a key witness for the state's attorney or the attorney general for the state um, in her case. So it ended up being a good outcome for me. Um, they had terminated me right after I had filed, you know, reported on all of the, these things that I'd seen. So it was the single most horrible thing I've ever been through in my life. Being a whistleblower is, is devastatingly hard. It's very difficult to go through four years of court case, but it was totally worth it. And my, my story was on CBS in 2018. And what else do I have to say? That's probably about it. Right now, I do a lot of consulting. Um, I help other whistleblowers. I do a lot of advocacy. I'm on the board for Whistleblowers of America. And so I'm very active. Uh, for a while, I wanted to run away from it, you know, kind of hide from it, but right. I kind of own it now. So you and I had the, uh, we've come in contact with each other for a, a different reason. And so, um, I'm glad to know you. You are an inspiration to me as well. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We've both been through a lot. We're kind of tough mamas, I think. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> and not, not by choice. <laughs> not right. by choice. Right. And I, you know, you and I are kindred spirits in that we're both healthcare workers. So, um, and even teaching it in college, you know, I've, I've spent my whole career helping other people. And so, this is very foreign to me to, you know, to be in a situation where, you know, you can't control it and, and things happen to you and you're kind of targeted or whatever. So it's uh, definitely not fun, but you know what, all the crappy things that happen in life and, and I'm 2020 has totally sucked, Marianne. That's all I got oh, to say yes. about that. But um, it's for all the bad things that happen and I've had a lot of bad stuff happen to me accidentally of my, mm -hmm. not my own doing, it, it does make you a stronger person. It really does. You know, I, I really think that's what builds character. Um, and, and getting pissed off helps build character too, but it does, you know. it does. Because yeah. if you don't get mad, then you don't do anything about it. Right. Right. And I mean, we almost have to go through an, a grieving process with your, yours and mine are a little bit different because my husband and I have been married for 25 years. We've been together a long, long time. And um, my kids, my alienation story comes from more of a adult, estranged child um, alienation type thing. So um, as I got more um, out there in the public and, you know, was 
doing more interviews and my case was being picked up and I was doing a lot of um, podcasts and other shows, guest stuff. My kids just drift. They just decided that they didn't want me in their life anymore. Um, one day. And, and I'm, you know, I totally take responsibility for if I was, you know, not the best mom, I tried to be the best mom. I mean, my kids had almost everything they could ask for. And I spent time with them. And um, so they, they've kind of done this, and it's kind of just carried on. It's almost like they don't want to give in. And, and I, you know, everybody says, well, they'll come back. And, and I just, I don't feel like my heart is really it's never going to be right. You know, it's very painful, very, very, the most painful thing I've ever been through is this. So it's tough to talk about too. Um, but I think that's what helps us all. Right. It's almost the same over here on my end because so much damage has been done. I don't know how, you know, if they would come back, which I really don't think they will. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I kind of feel that way too. Uh, you kind of get a like a pessimistic kind of outlook, you know, on it. And it's um, almost like you got to be realistic. I can't live in la la land thinking, oh, they'll wake up and come back someday, and I'm going to just wait for that day. I'm going to right. move on with my life, and they're welcome to come into my life, but I'm not going to be treated bad in the process. Right, right. Um, um, hmm. Part of it too is, um, like, I, I, when I, whenever somebody asks me, I always try and explain it. Like, if your heart's been shattered into a thousand pieces, there's no way in hell you're ever going to get all that, all those thousands of pieces put back together the way they were. So it's like part of me, it's you're broken. You know, you're broken and it's, you're not going to be put back. Things will never be the same. I will never, I still love my, my daughters. I have three girls and I need a t-shirt that says, you know, yeah, you can't scare me. I got three daughters. Cause I love mm -hmm. that shirt, but um, it won't ever be the same. You know, it was sweet before. And I, I, I remember tucking them in and it's, you know, it's, and they were all, they're all great kids. They're, they're, um, they were all star students. They, they were captains of their athletic team and we would go and support all their events and we were really present in their lives. And then I think it, you know, I know that we're responsible for babying them quite a bit. And I think that's part of it, you know, um, trying to protect them, you know, as a parent, you just want to, you know, you don't want them to ever hurt, you know, or anything, but so, but this, the, my kids have gone to the, Nth degree. I mean, they've really, really, really gone out there, and um, it makes me sad every day. I mean, I miss them every day, and, mm -hmm. and I know my husband misses them as well. He had a stroke after that, and I mean, they could get to the point where they just walk right past him. And they saw him one day after he had a stroke, our oldest daughter, and she just walked right past him like he wasn't even standing there, hadn't oh, seen no. him yet or anything. Yeah, it was horrible. It was totally horrible. And when he confronted, I mean, this is the dad, he walked her down the aisle. I mean, they were close. It's, it's, I don't know what happened here or why, you know, the only thing I can think is there's mental illness or there's something that I don't know about, but I can't fix it for them because they're adults, you know? So he only can stand there and watch, you know, and, and he, he did get to confront them and ask them, ask her why. And she really didn't have an answer. Hmm. Um, but you know, none of my girls will say they're sorry. That's that's another issue. You know, I they can't admit that they're sorry for anything. So, 
I, I wonder, think, is yeah, that go a, ahead. Is that a, if I can speak English, is that a millennial issue with these younger generations, I wonder? Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you, funny you should say that because I, I really, I've heard other people say that as well, that this millennial generation just really, you know, they have a different mindset. And I love millennials. You know, I, on my podcast, I have quite a few of them that listen um, for a dynamic. And, and I love the Facebook pages, you know, with all of them too. But because I used to teach college, so I feel like I'm akin to them in a lot of ways. But, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, it's, it's like being used and like, they have no empathy. Like my, and these mm-hmm. are not my girls, Marianne. I mean, these, these girls would never, ever treat us like that. So I don't know. I really, it's, it's like a day and night difference. And I don't know. I mean, they're accusing us of terrible things like drugs and, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I've even gone and stayed at their house for days on end. You know, if I was mm-hmm. doing something terrible, don't you think I would probably be I don't know, freaking out or, and I work in healthcare. I mean, just ridiculous stuff like that. Um, it's, it's very difficult. It's very, and they've even uh, talked to my mom who has a little bit of dementia into writing me out of my parents' will. I mean, it has really gone to an extreme and um, it's very hurtful, very hurtful. Some days I don't even know how to deal with it, but I'm doing better. It's been a while now, so I'm doing a little bit better. And, and you're right. You have to go on with your life. You just have to go on. You can't, you can't sit there and wait for them to come back. And, and that's, that's part of the grieving process, I think. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? You go through right. a grieving process. Right. Like, how are you doing better? Like, what, what are you doing to distract yourself um, cause I'm trying to stay busy with all sorts of things, but. Oh my, yeah. You know, right. uh, <laughs> yeah. I know it's, it's, you know, well, you and I are probably, we're right in that same area where it's like finally empty nester type thing, you know, where you're dealing with that too on top of it. But, um, I don't know how you deal with it. I, you know, my whole life I have set goals for myself and, and trying to be a better person, you know, and things like that and doing a lot of self-reflection and, um, or I tried to anyway. um, My dad was very much that way and had a lot of integrity. And I think that's what drove me to be a whistleblower and endure that process. But um, I think I just sit here and I write letters every single day to them that I never send. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but it's almost like a journaling type thing. And it, it helps me work through it. You know what I mean? Because my husband had a stroke and so he's not, you know, I'm trying to help him do a rehab. Dude, if you need something to do, you come on over here because I got right. a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> but um <laughs> right? Right. But it's it's good. It's very, very good to to get it out somehow. And I don't want to burden anybody else with all my whiny, whiny stuff, you know? So I write letters and and somebody said, man, someday it would be kind of cool if you put them in a book. And I said, I don't know if I'd ever do that. They're personal, you know, to me, but, but it helps me. And I, I probably never give them to the, my daughters, but maybe, maybe someday they'll find them. I don't know. It, it helps me a lot. And then there's support groups online too. They're great. Like Dr. Josh Coleman's support group. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really shocked on, he's on Facebook, his support group. I was shocked at how common this is. I am, I was just blown away. And they're not, these are average parents that, you know, we didn't, 
we didn't beat our kids. We didn't, you know, abuse them in any way. We tried to give them everything we could, probably too much. And it's like one in the statistics are 20 to 30% of all parents wow. have this happen. That's pretty common. How sad. One in five. I, it is very sad. And some of these people, I sit there and look at their posts and it's like 18 years they've been estranged from their child and their grandchildren, mm. they've not been able to have any contact with them. And, and I think, oh my gosh, I hope that's not the case, but, uh, but you do, you have to go on and you have to take accountability. I mean, I, I for sure have blame in this. So does my husband. And, but one thing about family is your family's family, you know, <laughs> they don't well, have I, that feeling. <laughs> see, I was always raised with the saying, blood is thicker than water. Right. It comes to family. So that's how I was brought up. And now I'm, of course, I went through a divorce and uh, the woman that he married, she couldn't have kids of her own. So she basically took over mine. And, you know, the fact was when I saw it for myself, when they both walked into the um, grocery store, she and her stepmother, and they oh, just no. walked past me just looking in a direction that they were going. And, <laughs> and I oh, thought, no. did I just see what I just saw? <laughs> and so I put my stuff in the car and I went back in just to, you know, look at other stuff. Um, and I saw them pass me again. And they were still going in the same direction, looking in their direction. And I was not in their view. Huh. I thought, wow, she's really got her brain washed good. And they knew you were there. They, yes. they Oh, they had to have. Definitely. They had to have. Okay. I mean. <laughs> How hurtful, Marianne. That's really, that, that you know, I, I can't even explain to anybody in your audience how painful it is as a mom to have that. It's, it's like your kids have died. It really feels yes. that way, except yes. they're still alive. And so you don't ever get that closure, but you still have all that pain, you know? Definitely. And, uh, you know, a woman approached me and says, well, you, you have an older child. And I, I said, well, no, I don't. She goes, yeah, you do. I said, no. Oh, I don't. Mm -mm. I mean, because it's like, I didn't want to talk about it. But then right. she, I, I said, yeah, I just have the, I just have the other, other kids or something. And so I said, maybe you have me confused with someone else. Because it's like, I'm getting out of this. I'm not talking about it. <laughs> right. And maybe I well, should have talked it. No, there's a stigma behind it. Don't you feel like, I mean, I feel like I'm now finally able to talk about this because I've, I've worked through that. I was a good mom and I, I didn't do anything egregious to my kids. They were, they were always, they had everything they ever could need and, and mm -hmm. a lot more on top of that. And we love them and we still love them and support them. And, and I would do anything for them, but, but you know, there's a embarrassment. I mean, especially if somebody calls CPS or something like that, and mm -hmm. all those false claims that people are going to look at you like, Oh my God, what did you do to them or whatever? And it's like, you know what? No, I didn't do anything wrong. It's them that have, you know, this issue or, or illness or whatever. So mm -hmm it's hard to talk about. It's hard to accept that, you know? Yeah. It's very strange that they can, you know, be under this influence, you know, other than with the CPS involvement as well. And I, right. I firmly believe CPS encourages parental alienation 
and they really should oh, be Oh, absolutely they do. Yeah, they absolutely they, encourage it. They did on, I, in fact, I have proof on my, my account. My uh, youngest daughter was 17 and a half and someone made some report to CPS and we, we live in a huge house that we just built and I'm like, fine, come on out. Yeah, I didn't know anything about CPS then. So mm -hmm. um, let him come out to my house and this, this CPS worker just, I mean, I was blown away. I didn't think that that kind of thing happened in 2020. You know, I, I just didn't. They, they basically told me they were taking our child. They didn't tell us why. And she, granted, she's 17 and a half and beautiful, star of a dance team. Um, and we have not seen her since. It's been eight months, seven, eight months. Uh, they, they misrepresented themselves to police. They've, they've done a lot of stuff. Um, so we're, I said, you know what, I'm a whistleblower and I am not going to let anybody else go through this ever. It's a money-making scheme for the CPS and it's, it's just corrupt. It's corrupt. The whole system is so bad. And they, they even tried, um, they said the only way we could have visitation with her was if we were separated. Like if my husband and I were not, we couldn't both have visitation with her at the same time. And we're married, Marianne. I mean, happily yes. married. I love him to death. I couldn't. And I said, oh, no, there's only one reason that, you know. And so I don't know if it's being a whistleblower or not or just being pissed off. I, you know, so anyway, she's in college now, so she's doing okay. But, but I am not going to let this go. I've filed, filed a case and taken on the county. Yes. But, no. you know, I noticed <laughs> that like when you said that they wanted almost you guys to get divorced, I've heard this from other parents Yeah, that yeah. CPS will come in. If you want to see your kids, you'll have to divorce your husband. You'll have to, you know. Right. What are they? I get rid of them. Yeah. They serve no earthly purpose. In fact, there was a caseworker. Um, it was during one of my CPS hearings in front of a CPS judge who, thank God, rolled in my favor. But um, at the uh, place, because we were each in separate rooms, but my son told me that she hugged him and she, and he did not want her touching him at all because he did not like oh her. God. So oh she, God. she felt that comfortable oh. with my kids to hug them. And oh um, <laughs> I'm thinking... I'm thinking, I'm just so tired of thinking like a lawyer, but I'm thinking that's, that's like an assault. Yes, uh, it is. It absolutely is. Uh, she had no right to lay hands on my child. Right. And it was probably but, about, you know, time. but then how do you prove that? You know, I mean, it looks harmless to anybody else on the outside because mm -hmm. they don't know the background behind these people. I mean, um, I, I just, I've dealt with CPS in healthcare, you know, in the clinic or the hospital system for 25 years, you know, my whole career. And they've been wonderful. I, of course, I'm not from the state that I'm in. I was from South Dakota and they were great. I mean, I, we worked hand in hand. When I worked urgent care or after hours care, there's several times that I'd had to talk to them. And in fact, there were times when I thought they should be taking the kid away when they didn't, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then you get here and it's like, you, you notice weird things like there's a lot of money in our county and this has the, also the highest rate of CPS cases, but yet the lowest crime rate. Well, now that, that doesn't wash, you know what I mean? The two doesn't, 
you're telling me that everybody's abusing their kids and they need to have them taken away, yet there's no crime rate here. And then, um, and then they nicely send you a bill. You know, then my husband and I right away got a bill for the nine people on the case um, that haven't ever talked to either one of us, ever, ever. So wow. they, they've nine people on the CPS case and we never talked to a single person, not one. For, for four months until she turned 18. So um, they're out for money. I mean, it's billable yes. hours. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah, because my, my case too was one-sided. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, yeah, that was just uh, not fair. <laughs> uh-huh. And it never should have happened to begin with. The total disruption right. of the family right. unit should never have happened to begin with. Well, what they, you know, what they claim in their mission is... Is not, it's like the opposite. It's almost like they try and go against their mission of keeping families together and all that garbage, you know, right. um, because they are there for the billable hours and they're there to get as many, like my daughter had, they had three attorneys for her and my husband and I are left floundering. You know, I mean, we're just, they don't even tell us when hearings are. They wouldn't even tell us what, you know, we never missed a single thing. And, and it, I felt like, you know, you live in a smaller county they've already decided this case long before we ever had a hearing because they're probably sitting there next to the judge or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, you don't know what happens at small counties, but it just, it, I, I believe me, I am like a, a proponent of the judicial system. I being a whistleblower has, you know, I have faith in the judicial system, but this was so wrong and so corrupt and and they just handled this so they put her in danger and Mm -hmm. uh you know it just it's it's so wrong and it's so very obvious that they they wrote a permanency plan marianne you know the permanency plan for anybody that doesn't know what that is is like what the plan is for your child you know how they're gonna what we needed to do what they needed to do all those sorts of things going forward to be able to reunify. Well, first of all, they never even mentioned reunify, not at all. In fact, they've encouraged my daughter to not speak to us at all in writing um, out of the blue. And the night before she left, she was saying, mom, will you come tuck me in? And I'm, I can't sleep. Come and talk to me. So I love you, you know, that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking that she's lost her mind. I don't know what's going on. Um, so anyway, this permanency plan is written by two social workers and neither one of them have ever interviewed us or ever talked to us. And they're writing things in this plan. Like um, we need to, I need to be more protective of my child and I need to do this and this. And they've never ever talked to me, neither one of them. And they put their name on this report and it came out a, a week before she turned 18. Oh, that. So it was like, yeah, right. Somebody needed to cross their I's or cross their T's and dot their I's, you know, on the paperwork or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's like they couldn't have set up a better scenario for me to try and fight back. And then, you know, I filed a case and it's difficult finding an attorney, you know, um, especially since we're so close to the Twin Cities, but yet we're not in Minnesota, you know. So, um, but I filed a case and then I get a, a document. You'll, you'll love this one. Uh, what was just a week or two ago that said um, 
unable to proceed with case. It's like a dismissal that it looks all formal and all, hmm. all, you know, it looks all like it's all official type thing. Like they're not letting us sue them. Basically the county is not. And I'm going, Oh no, this is not right. You know, there's no way. I mean, that's unconstitutional. You should have the right, you know, to whatever. And then at the bottom, it says after six months. So the whole document is there to be a bluff, basically. How many people fall for that and say, oh, well, they're throwing out my case. I guess that's all there is. And it says on there, basically, that they're only going to throw out our case after six months. So basically, it's just saying you have six months to get this case done or filed or whatever. I'm like, how bad is that? They are Uh, awful, awful. And the county backs them up. You know, a lot of times the county or the state has its own agenda and they'll end up backing them up um which is scary and sad and law enforcement you know i there's a sheriff here at our house and he said everything's fine i mean he's talking to my husband about the house and blah 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 he said i don't have any reason to to you know arrest you or do anything you know there's nothing here and they still are able to go forward with stuff like that you know it's it's beyond i think the police are just pawns for them yeah they're just supposed to be there when they need them they're muscle right and they're they're being used and i just wish some of these policemen would just say no we're not taking part in this well the child i know they should do that but i think that because they're bound by you know they're both county workers and or county or city or local workers and i think the police are just like I know this guy, you know what he gave me the impression like? Like, I work next to this lady. I just got to get along with her. I just got to, you know, I just, I don't want to buck the system. I just got to, I don't want to agree with her, but I just got to get along, you know? And um, in fact, he had a, a body cam on um, during the interview process. And we just found out that there's audio of the very first, as so I'm like excited about this because I was clearly arguing with her and and clearly I can prove that there are some lies going on. So, you know, I mean, they, they, I think most of our law enforcement, they, they know where the law stops. They know where it starts. They know they're, they should be the ones making these decisions, not CPS. We shouldn't have an outside source. There should be law enforcement. If you're an abusive parent, mm-hmm. then sure as heck the, the law enforcement are going to be able to see that and they're going to be able to make a better call, you know? Right. Right. That's what I say. Just abolish, get rid of CPS and um just use the law enforcement other people uh, have said this too right right Uh, it's all over the internet actually i Mm -hmm. i um interviewed a couple people who had just gone through horrendous cases um you know of course you were my guest and we talked about your stuff and um another gentleman who went through years and i mean three or four years of chasing his ex-wife around and his child, you know, because she'd just up and leave every time he'd get close, and she'd accuse him of these horrible things, just terrible, and he ended up having a happy ending, so that's good, but, um, and I was shocked when I did the statistics, how many tens of thousands of cases are unsubstantiated, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. very a small, small percentage of people, and how, how devastatingly that affects a family when you're mm-hmm. accused of something and they they pretty much consider you guilty until proven innocent it's not definitely. the other way around definitely um, and i get that we have to be careful you know with kids it definitely but you know 
use your head. Come into a situation and you're like, okay, this kid's not abused. This kid is a spoiled brat or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the reason is. Um, or get counseling, do something, you know. So it's very, it's a money-making ploy for an outside source. And I don't think a lot of people realize how many people are affected and how many people are wrongly accused, you know. Oh, definitely. Like, I heard it's like over 80% of these calls coming in are just people trying to get even with people. Very much so. And then on top of that, you have CPS and they're told that they have to respond to every single phone call in one way or the other. And I found out that they literally can just make a judgment call, you know, just based on that one phone call. Right. They can just say, and these are people, you know, I was evaluated by somebody with no education, not any, not a social worker, the worker that came out to our house, no education whatsoever. And she has a chip on her shoulder and there's Mm -hmm. no checks and balance system. I mean, why are, why are we letting people with no education decide? families structure you know uh... yeah exactly uh because when we were with our with uh my counselor i had my husband and my sister-in-law and um the caseworker shows up because she wanted to tell me that she was going to indicate me which would mean i would have to be suspended from my job as an emergency room nurse right so right (laughs) you know um my sister-in-law totally went off on her because she was not interviewed or, or given her side of the story. It was all one-sided and why are you doing this? And then, then I let her have it. Then she kind of got up and she said, well, I just want to let you know you're being indicated. And um, I can't remember what I said, but she looked at my counselor and said, that woman lives better than I do. And then she opened the door and then she started uh, fleeing down the hall because I was yelling something else. I can't remember. Then I yelled, have a Merry Christmas. And then the door slammed. Oh, good for you. Good for you. (laughs) So these Um, people are out of control. They feel they have too much power and they're not educated. And some of them don't even have kids themselves. They don't know what they're doing. You know, and I, th- I really think this gal didn't have, I asked her that day because I, you know, I'm, I'm emotional. I mean, they hit me at the worst possible time. Whoever, uh, you know, it's 2020 and we have this whole COVID nightmare last spring. My husband um, has a stroke at age, you know, young, like we're super right. young for being empty nesters and he's healthy. He's not overweight or anything out of the blue and it's devastating. I can't even be at the hospital with them. Finally, there's nowhere for him to rehab. I get him home. Um, he and my, this youngest daughter were then in a car accident on the way to the doctor's office two weeks after he got home. And then two weeks after that, she had to have an emergency appendectomy. I spent five hours in the ER with her. And then the CPS worker shows up at my house two days after her surgery. And, and so I had all these things, bing, bing, boom. I mean, and I've already been through a lot, you know, I think I have post whistleblower syndrome or something, you know, I, 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 we talk about that a lot, but mm-hmm. when you go through all this traumatizing, horrible stuff and you're just still trying to stay upbeat and it's hard, hard to handle. So, I mean, I think if they were to say this lady's crazy, I would probably agree with them. You know, I've been through a lot. I, I really deserve to be crazy at this point. But, well, they make you that way. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, and your mom, you're trying, we're all mama bears. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. I'm a mama bear. I'm like, Oh, you dub but, do not touch my girls. I will beat you. You know, I, 
Mm -hmm. I just am very protective of them and um, very protective. In fact, they always get, used to get embarrassed of me because I'd be like, oh, no, 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 don't, you know, I'm always defending them. But you just, you get to a point where you, you just can't do it. You know, it's just emotional overload. And I remember telling this lady, don't you have kids? Don't you understand what this is like? And I said that during the interview, this is horrible to go through anything like this. And mm -hmm. she just said, you don't have a right to ask me if I have children or not, because I'm not the one, uh, you know, being questioned or whatever. And that's why I'm anxious to get this audio back. But I, I just sat there and looked at her like, oh my God, you are a heartless person. Right. You are the absolute wrong person to be in this role right now. Yes, um, they, they've got very dark souls. They're very dark personalities. Uh, I and not all of them, but not all of them. You know, we can't stereotype yeah. that. Well, the, the yeah. ones that, that are decent, though, only last about a year in that profession, right. and then they split. Right. But the ones right. that are the hardcore nasties are yeah. generally in there for greater than 10 years or great, oh. greater than eight years because they just keep going. You know, and how sad is that? That's just terrible. I I heard that too. You know, you're right when you say that. I've heard that the the ones that really have a caring um, outlook, that they almost get run out. I mean, they mm -hmm. they like literally get run off to somewhere else because they just can't um, they can't keep up with all the nasty. You know, game playing and manipulating and mm -hmm. power issues. It's a power issue for these people, and it's. Um, and these are kids. These are people's lives. You know, I, I, one thing I did say is I said, I will have this lady's job. I, you know, I'm going to make sure everybody knows exactly what she's done to at least me, if oh, not yes. other people. So, right. Definitely. Um, uh, yeah. They, you go through grieving. Oh, well, you know, I cried. I think I cried for like a week straight and I'm sending out emails saying, please, you know, I need to talk to my daughter. This is traumatic. You know, I wouldn't let me talk to her, wouldn't let me have any visitation, which is against law. You know, I'm citing all kinds of law within the state and nobody listens to me. The judge didn't listen to me, no one. Um, and so then you kind of give up, you know, and then you get mad. And now I'm, I'm still kind of at the mad stage. I still am sad, but I'm, I'm at the, okay, somebody's going to go down for this stage. So right. you don't want to mess, you don't want to mess with the whistleblower. Cause I'm like, I'm taking them down because this is wrong. So wrong. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we got enough wrong in this country right now. We don't need any more extra. Exactly. Sure. Well, that's, and that's, and that's why I, I wrote my book because it's like, there was no one listening to our side of the story. Even in the courtroom, even though I was exonerated of emotional abuse charges by the CPS judge, the family court judge was going on his merry way, still calling me emotionally abusive because he and the opposing attorney were BFFs. So yeah. what yeah. chance do you have? And you're sitting here, you know. Uh, scary, isn't it? It's yeah, it's scary. Like, I have no control. The attorney had no control. It, it was just, it was a. A freak show circus act. Well, not to mention how much money did you spend? That's the other thing. You know, uh, you have to spend all this money just to try and defend your right to raise your children. I mean, uh, just to get them back, to save them, you know. And, and what it, the other statistic that was blew me away, five in seven kids that are taken outside of the home are harmed outside of the home. Right. Or they would have never been harmed if they would have been left at home. Five out of seven. That is just, mm -hmm. 
I felt like, okay, well, maybe this is what God or what, you know, whatever greater power you want, maybe this is where I'm supposed to be because I was just blown away. I didn't know any of these statistics. You know, I didn't know anything about that. And five and seven, right. I mean, are either sexually or physically abused, emotionally outside and, the home. And how many die in foster care? Seriously. Right. Yeah, you know, I don't even. Uh, oh, we should take the incentive out of foster care. Right. The money. Yeah, it's it's like get rid of the title four D B and E. Just get rid of all of it because it's all greed. Well, and the the foster parents, the ironically, uh, you know, my daughter was placed. She did not want to. She was. I think she went into this thinking she was just going to be able to go stay with her sisters and and party and do whatever she wanted to do all summer um, after she graduated. But she went and stayed with. You know they. Uh, my daughter lives in another state. She lives in Minnesota and we live on the, in Wisconsin. So um, they put her with a foster family. And my daughter, I hear, was not happy with that at all, but they're two police officers. Now, figure, go figure that one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, both the mom and dad were police officers and they have four kids of their own that are young little kids. And I said, well, what better deal is that to get a 17 and a half year old and just get paid and to have a babysitter and get paid to, have, you know, because how she's not any trouble. She drives to work, and you know, she's a great kid, or she was. And I, and then to tell her that, you know, that we don't love her. I can only imagine what they've fed her. You know, it, they've destroyed my life. These people, all these right. people. Oh, they have they... for money, for money. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and then we got a bill for two thousand dollars for the foster parents. And I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. There is no way in hell, you know. So that, I, mysteriously, that got dropped after I filed the case. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Oh, that's because yeah. they're, they're already collecting their uh, financial incentive. Right. 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 That's From ridiculous. the federal government. Well, people don't understand that they, the more programs that they are participate in or that they have kids participating in, the more money they get from the feds. It's, it's just a way to scam taxpayer money off the federal government, you know? So it's, um, it's, it's a big scam is what it is. It's a big it scam is. for everybody. And, um, and then to, to manipulate. Uh, the other statistic that blew me away was how often kids, once they're in a CPS situation, even when they're adults, they are looked at, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, exactly. Uh, I, you and I have talked about that before too. Um, right. And how you know, it's like they're they're marked because they've already been in a CPS case. So right. even like my kids, if they were to start a family, they could definitely walk through their door and take their kids. Right, right. From and you know, excuse me. How tragic is that? It's almost as if they assume that whatever child is going to be. I don't know that they're, I don't know. I I don't, I really, there's no logic to it. There really is absolutely no logic. It's all greed and and, and not all CPS. You know, I, I, I feel like I need to make a disclaimer because I, I have dealt with these people and a lot of them are great people, but when they have a corrupt department or corrupt department head or whatever, it's just, it's a flush down the toilet for that department. It really Mm -hmm. is. It's, um, and it's all based off of money. And I get that we all need to make a paycheck. You know, we, we all need to do our jobs and whatever, but 
but man, when you're dealing with people and families, that's, it's the low of the low, you know? Right. How do you sleep? Yeah. yeah you're playing with people's lives and futures and right. oh, the destruction they have caused. In fact, um, I'm going to be bringing out a book of poems that I've written throughout a couple, maybe just about a year's worth of poems of my, I don't know, getting this out of my system. Like how, how you're journaling. I was writing right. poems at two in the morning because it's, they were just coming <laughs> to me. But um, that will probably be coming out in two weeks. All right. That's great. <laughs> That's good. But I'm, mean, still, I'm still trying to write up my story. Um, I'm, I, I'm friends with like John Kiriakou and, and Aaron Brockovich on LinkedIn and um, other whistleblowers. And so I feel like I'm part of that elite group already. And then to go through this on top of it, I'm like, nobody's ever going to believe that I've had all this, this black cloud over my head for so long, you know? And I really, I really, um, I don't know if, you know, sometimes when you're a strong person, don't you think, Marianne, that, that people kind of, people that are envious or whatever kind of target you um, because yes. they, they want that confidence or they want to feel that way. Um, I don't know. I don't know why that is, but I, well, I'm very strong in who I am. So Right, <laughs> right. The thing is, I think they're zeroing in on everybody and anybody they can get their hands on. And I think they're figuring yeah. out also that the middle class um, can offer more as far as paying for right, right. things. Well, I think that's it too. You know, before I, I said, why isn't anybody stopping this? Why hasn't anybody done anything? And I think, well, sure, because they're targeting people that have no education or very little. Mm -hmm. They're targeting people that have no money. They're very many times, these people are barely getting by, you know? And so um, but they've kind of moved in, you're right, to the middle class where, you know, now they're getting a little pushback because now you have people that have a little bit of money so they can be dangerous, but they can mm -hmm. also be a big payoff too, you know, so, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people do not want to fight it, even if they're completely innocent, they don't want to fight it because they don't want that reputation or that stigma. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's horrible. It, it just should not be happening in America. It definitely should not be happening today. Well, it's not. It, it's like you can't even raise your family the way you want to raise your family. And if I, I, I mean, I feel sorry for my kids bringing them into this world, right. knowing this now. Right. Yeah. And I, I feel sorry for them that they're, well, they're here now, but what's going to happen to them? So now, now I have to sit around and worry about people <laughs> that don't even worry about me. <laughs> One right <laughs> that's welcome to motherhood though that's like motherhood you just sit and worry or you can watch them fall and you just want to oh, i just want to pick you up and don't let you fall and then you just gotta have to let them fall you know you gotta they'll, they'll they're smart they'll figure it out but they'll one thing about that you're right you know you worry about them all the time and you wonder what they're doing and right. and i i have to get that out of my mind because they're adults, they can make their own decisions at this point. And that's True. what what they're doing is not right. And it's not smart. And it's very hurtful. It's cruel. Actually, it's very cruel. It is. It is. And, um, but, but it is what it is. So I have to trust that somewhere that I gave them something that will, 
you know, lead them to at least realize that and become better people somewhere down the line Mm -hmm. um, before my grandchildren or anybody else is affected negatively because our grandparents are, they're an important part of our lives. Everybody should have contract with their grandparents if they're good, you know, people. So, yes, but uh, you know what? There's plenty of people in the world that need help too. And like I, I found a friend who has stage three breast cancer. This poor lady's all by herself, no family, no mm-hmm. one around, 40 some years old. Um, and so I go over and she wanted to learn how to play pianos on her bucket list. So I go over and I gave her piano books and I give her crafting stuff and do her laundry and think, you know what? That's where my time is better spent rather than worrying about these kids that don't care or the CPS, that lady that's corrupt or whatever, you know, it goes back to being a caregiver. You know, that's, that's where time should go is, is to the people that really want you and need you in your life and, and are happy to have the help. And that's the way I think anyway. That, that's perfect. I mean, that's what you have to do is do it productively and positively. And it helps, like when I was going through all, all of this and I had this this uh, inept caseworker threatening me to indicate me. And I didn't know when that was going to happen. But I remember my mother saying, go into work and make someone happy. Right. And that's what, and that's how I got my mind off of this nutty caseworker who (laughs) get this called me at my workplace and started screaming at me. And I said, wait a minute, am I being indicated? What's going on? And she screamed at me on the phone. When you're going to be indicated, you're going to be hearing it from me first. And I just hung up on it. And here I am taking care of, I was in the ER. I was taking care of four patients that were dying, dying people. ICU patients. They were really ICU patients that I was waiting for rooms. And here's, it's like, here's this nut screaming at me on the phone. And I, I just hung up. About something so trivial. You know, that's the thing. Um, And I, you and I, that's, I think that's why we're good friends, Mary. And I really do, because Mm -hmm. I think we both see things from that direction. I, you know, I'm taking care of this lady. I, I've been in healthcare forever. I was volunteering at the free clinic for a while because they needed some nursing staff. And um, you see, you see people that really, really um, are having it bad. And, mm-hmm. and I sit there and think, oh my gosh, you're, you are these CPS people or people like that. What a waste of oxygen you are because oh, yes. you're doing no one any good. You're, you're only, you know, but we're weirdos see because we're (laughs) we care about other people i guess i don't know (laughs) well it's it's sad because now my kids don't remember their childhood it's like the childhood i gave them yeah because i've asked the the one actually and when i was talking to the the middle one he has no recollection of the fun halloween parties Right, where I would have right. a pinata and like like twenty kids over. <laughs> they they a, rewrite history too. Yeah, you know, a lot of them rewrite history, and that's a narcissistic um, characteristic. And my daughter, my oldest daughter, does that too. She only remembers the quote bad stuff. Um, it's almost like they're trying to fit that narrative. You know, they're trying to justify that narrative that they're in against us because if they think that we're a good mom, even for a second or they remember some fun or happy times, then all of a sudden they become 
responsible, you know, for their own behavior. So mm-hmm. it's an immature way of dealing with it, but it's hard not to take it personally, isn't it? Don't you take that personally? It's hard I'm trying me. not to. Yeah, I'm trying not to. Like, if I get that feeling, um, I try to brush it off and start thinking about something else, I, I, right. just to d- distract myself. And because I feel like if I give into that, I'm giving them power and they're, right. they're living rent-free in my head. And um, right, right. I could have a horse live rent-free in my head. I could have a painting <laughs> or a hula hoop. Right, uh, right. You know, I mean, I've right? done yeah. hula hooping and, you know, <laughs> fun things. I love rocks. I tumble rocks and I do jewelry and a painting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, mm-hmm. I do all that stuff too. But it's hard not to take this personally. And then, and they, but you're right. They feed off it. A narcissistic type person they're they, they need that supply too. They need our adoration and our begging and our, you know, all of our stuff that we, we can't live without you. We need you. You know, I need you in my life. And, and <clears throat> so when you don't give them that, then they kind of double down and it gets ugly and then you have to back off. It's kind of this dance, you know, but mm-hmm. um and we get, we like the drama, you know, I mean, even a codependent type person is like, it's exciting. And usually they're fun. And, you know, it's, it's just the drama of everything. And, you know, it, I'm just getting too old for all <laughs> stuff in yes. my life anymore. Um, I've had plenty of drama, believe me, and I don't ask for anything. I don't want it in my life, but it finds me somehow. Um, but the girls, yeah, your kids will rewrite history. And I mean, I mean, my oldest daughter, will, I'll be sitting there with my mouth hanging out. I mean, my jaw is hanging down on the table going, what? That that didn't even happen like that. We, we weren't even, what are you talking about, you know? And she'll swear to, swear to high heaven that that's the way something happened. And oh my gosh, you know. And you, you wonder, is she seeing a, a counselor that's, like maybe telling her to not like you i i I think it's yeah i think it's a church but you're right i think that you know there's she goes to a different church and it's very progressive and very uh modern it's geared towards younger people and i think you know i can't think of any church that i would go to that would advocate you know that kind of behavior but Mm -hmm. Um, but she's really into it. They're very, very, very active in their church. And I think I saw that the more that they got active in their church, the more, you know, it was right about the same time that they're distancing from us. So, um, and I, I always thought, oh, well, it can't be a church. Heaven's sakes. It's not the church, you know, there, but it sure can be, you know, I, I'm kind of wondering about that. So it could be like a cult, I mean, even, <clears throat> right. even living with uh, an alienator. And under the Stockholm syndrome, it's a cult. They're, right. They're being right, brainwashed. Right. <laughs> well, I, you know, you're right. That's exactly it. And I think, you know, there's a couple of things. I try to think it through my head. You know, you, you try and rationalize everything and try and justify it. And what did I do? You know, you're trying to scan every single minute of your life as an apparent and say, <clears throat> excuse me what did I do to deserve this? You know, you didn't do anything to do. No one, not even a murder on death row deserves, you know, the treatment that we get sometimes. But, but I think they just, um, there's so many people in and out of their lives that they, as an adult, from a child to an adult, that you never know what it is. You don't, 
you know, I can sit there and just think about it all day long and think, why did this happen? You know, and you're never going to figure it out because we're not walking in their shoes. So we don't, as an adult there, you know, who knows, they might've had some experience that we don't even know anything about that plays into something here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what drives me insane. Cause I'm a fixer. I just want to fix it. And I would, yes. I don't want to go to bed angry. I don't want to go to bed with turmoil or anything, you know, and I can't fix it. And that's the one, that's my thing is I got to learn to accept, you know, and I work on that every day that it is what it is. And I can only, I did what I needed to do to get them to age 18 and beyond to college. Um, but uh, after that, you know, we, we can only do so much. And like I say, if they never want me in their lives, um, then I guess that's the way it is. But part of me too, is I, I have to remind myself are these the kind of people that I would be friends with? I mean, think about your kids, Marianne, would you, the way they're acting right now, would you ever, would you ever be friends with that person if they weren't your child? No, no, not right. at all. Right. So you have to remind yourself of that, that these are not the kind of people that I would want to be associated with anyway, even though just because they're my kids doesn't mean that I have to, you know, accept being abused or anything, you know? So mm-hmm. It's hard to hard to wrap your head around that, though. And I was um, looking at YouTube at a site where this man was talking about um, narcissism. Right. And, um, I'm just. I think his last name is. Oh, is it is it Jerry Wise? I think that's hmm. his name. But someone was commenting, and they said, uh, "The more they abuse you, the more abusive parent." the more the kids turn out nice. So the nicer you are, the more they oh. abuse you, okay? So then yeah. the more abusive parent, the kids turn out nicer to that parent because mm. they know there's conditions with that parent. But with us, we have unconditional love and they know we right. will take their crap. That's, you know, right. bothersome. I find that bothersome. I do too. You know, there is some degree to that. I, I do see that. However, I, I also see, um, you know, especially going on the group, when you're on a group chat or, you know, you're in a group and you're kind of reading different posts and stuff, I can really see, um, I, I'm starting to see how we as parents, especially like empathetic parents or parents that are codependent, you know, really unconditional love, I see how we have a part in this, you know, we really do. We're, we're accountable for um, not giving them boundaries, like you said, but also I'm the one in my, my husband and I, I'm the one that gave him boundaries. So I'm the bad guy always, you know, he was always the good guy and I'm the bad guy that always gave him boundaries. But um, I think it's, they just, um, they're, they're just so used to getting everything they want mm-hmm. and always being left off the hook. And I think part of it is the leave no child behind syndrome type thing Mm -hmm. where everybody gets a a prize and no, everybody's special and no, not everybody's special and life sucks and it's not fair. So um, when anything happens, of course, we're, you know, we're the target because we're closest to them. And I think hopefully by the time they, they get it, it won't be too late. That's the thing I worry about the most, you know, is that, God, I don't want to, I don't want my kids to ever live the rest of their life. You know, if I were to pass away or my husband were to pass away and 
and feel that pain of never being able to resolve anything or, you know what I mean? I just think that would be devastating to their life to have that haunt them. But there again, I can't do anything about it. So it's got to just let it go. So Right, right. Because I have heard it. I don't know who said this, but it could take 40 to 50 years for them to wake up. Well, by that time, yeah. I'm going to be dead. <laughs> right, so right, right. I've already lived half my life. So, you know, they're right. just going to have to deal with themselves. And, and I, I worry about the fallout from our, for our right. grandkids, you know. Right. Um, hmm. But they do say there is one thing, and I, you probably know this from just your life experience. Like, I was very close to my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mother and I were not very close and my mother has, she never wanted children and I'm her only child. So that she can get an idea of what she's like. She's a great person, wonderful lady, uh, just not a very good mom. You know, she just didn't, wasn't a good mom. She didn't want any kids, but um, I was very close to my grandparents. And, and I think, you know, maybe it skips a generation because I hear of other people too, that they're great, they're close to their grandkids and they were close to their grandparents, but not the next generation on either side, you know? So, um, and I think maybe it's because when we're with our grandparents, we don't have this dance that we have to do of, of discipline and guilt and judgment and, you know, all this other stuff that goes on with, with our close relationships, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I tried to teach my kids not to be, judgmental of anything and and, you know Mm -hmm. they're great people I can't imagine that they would be but they're hard on me you know but same here same here exactly what you just said yeah yeah and I don't know why that is I some people have said you know when I've read in books that they've they're that way because they idolize us too much now Think about that for a second. Like they, they actually idolize us or put us on a pedestal too much that if we even make a misstep, we are, we're done, you know, we're done. We're terrible, you know? Right. Um, and then others say the opposite where they just don't have any respect. You know, they, they don't, you know, they, they think that you didn't do enough for them or whatever, you know? Um, so there, there's something, I don't, I don't know what it is and I can't think, you know, I'll never figure it out because I'm not in her head. And I just think I miss my girls. I miss doing Mm -hmm. things with them. I used to be so close to them and they're all beautiful. They're devastatingly beautiful, all three of them and smart and funny. Gosh, nobody ever made me laugh as hard as my girls. They're hilarious. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that they all have each other because they all, you know, hang out together a lot. And, um, feed off each other actually gossip wise but but um so there's that and and my husband is you know he's recovering and he's he's my man my best friend forever we have something very special Mm -hmm. too so you could just got to go with what the good things in your life you know you can't figure it out we'll never figure it out probably right you and I need to go shopping. That's what we need to do. Yes, That's how we need to Starbucks. deal with this. Yeah, I, need to go oh, to Starbucks. Oh, I haven't <laughs> had Starbucks in so long. Oh, I yeah. know. I haven't went out to eat in so long. How did I get fat? How does that happen? It's like COVID. You know, I'm like, what? COVID, you're an evil, evil thing. Oh, I girl. haven't even gone out to eat. I'm fat. 
Oh, Ten girl, pounds. I'm grab a hula hoop. I'm telling you, <gasps> hula hoop, and you can throw off 430 calories in one hour. Really? Yeah. I, I would probably throw out my back at the same time. I can't oh. imagine. That. <laughs> like, oh, okay, we're not moving the next day or so. You know, <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. I'm in pretty good shape. But yeah, that that's about it. It's like COVID sucks. It just yeah, this totally year sucks. has been horrible. It's just been horrible. I can't wait to get this year over. You haven't gotten it, have you? I, you no. Yeah, no. Do you, you know anybody that's had it or any? No, I don't know anyone that's had it. Right. It's weird, isn't it? Doesn't that yes. kind of make you wonder? I know. And then, you know, I hear of a friend who had a friend that had it type of thing. Right, 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 right. I know of two people. And they question whether my husband had it because he was, he was exposed to somebody and then had a stroke. And then they lost his test in a hospital. Somebody put oh. it in a freezer somewhere and never ran it. So, you know, we don't know if he actually had it or not. Um, we haven't run the antibodies, but... Um, yeah, that same here. Like I, I know one person that's had it. That's it. Out of all the people that I know, everywhere, and and so that's kind of odd to me. And you know, you go online and you just there's so much propaganda and so much fake news and and you know it's 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 crazy. You have to kind of <laughs> weed through what's the truth, you know, just by your own eyeballs. Half right, the time. right. But the hospitals here are not overwhelmed, and they're not. You know, I mean, it's just business as usual except everybody's stuck at home mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. i think there's going to be more suicides and more problems with that than there are covid so right right um i worry about that yeah cps will really have something to go after then you know <laughs> you know yeah yeah especially around the holidays very well, sad you, you know they came into my house and didn't even wear a mask didn't even wash their hands or wear a mask come on in and bring your COVID right on into my house, you know, and then, uh, then like take my child out of my house two days after surgery without when a mask. she's without a mask, send her into a Metro city area without a mask driving by herself. They didn't even have, they weren't even in the car. They like literally while I was in the house, put her in her car and sent her away at two days after surgery without even clearance from a doctor or anything is they really messed up with my, you know, you know what, what would happen if she would have just drove back to your house? You know, right? Nothing, nothing. But they're, th you know, they kept talking to her away from us, and I kept going over there. And then she said, "You're not allowed to hear." You know, it's that kind of sneaky. Oh, you just want to feel so powerless. You know, and mm, my little terrible. one, my youngest one, is just she's this little peanut. She's pretty feisty, but she's impressionable. All my girls were so. Mm. I can only imagine what. Uh, you know, what she's been told or whatever. Um, it makes me sick, actually. Yes. It really does. It, it, because so much of your, like their whole, I have a speech from her, like two weeks before all this happened, where it's like, thanks mom and dad for everything, you know, that you did for my dance and blah, 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 you know. And so I, I look at this and go, what happened? Where, right. Where, how, how did this happen in two weeks? You know, I, it's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. what I question. I question, how did this happen? Well, with the older one, it happened, you know, I could, as I look back, I think I told, had told you, I noticed that she was being brainwashed prior to the age of 10. And it just built oh. up. And I didn't, I just was not catching on to what was really going on. You didn't just, know? You, just, you didn't have any idea? Or did you kind of have a clue? Or did you? Well, it was kind of, 
it was kind of insidious because I wasn't right. sure, you know, it's like, are they m- trying to mature? Are they trying to, you know, grow right. up, yeah. you know, well, and, voice and especially their if, it, if this is your oldest, it's not like you have experience. So you don't know. I mean, I kind of feel that way too. You don't know. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and I did sit her down and say, you know, like I'm not raising someone who's going to be mean in this world, you know, and right, right. I, I had that talk, you know, I didn't raise someone to be mean. So stop talking right. to me like that. And your friends like that, t- you know, that type of right. talk. But um, with the middle one, you know, the, I don't know, since we bought a house, he got bent out of shape. And then, mm-hmm. you know, other things happened, he got more bent out of shape. And then he uh, just succumbed to the Stockholm syndrome, to be honest. That's how I see it. Well, and it's hard enough. I mean, you guys, your your mom and dad are divorced or, you know, I mean, that's hard enough to deal with. They don't need all this extra in their life, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and these other support people are there. They're supposed to be there to support the children, not, not tear their lives apart and and create a huge divide that'll never be fixed, you know? Right. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, you know, and you and your husband, you like successfully co-parented for a long time, didn't you? Before yeah. any of this happened. Definitely. For several years, we co-parented really well until um, the third party was introduced into the picture by myself, um, playing matchmaker. <laughs> That's crazy. That is, that is some funny ass irony right there. I mean, right there. Yes. Terrible. Terrible. No, no good deed goes unpunished. Let me tell oh, you. I'm so right. sorry, Marianne. That's so I terrible. am too. I am too. That's it's. You think you can trust somebody, but you know, either way, he right. could have met somebody else. And, you know, even if he did this on his own to meet someone on his own, right? It could still could have turned out the same. But um, I don't know. Just. Um, it's like I'm afraid to do anyone any favors now. Yeah. Well, you really do get like a post-traumatic syndrome thing going on. I really do. I look at some of the symptoms and I talk to other um, whistleblowers, for, as a matter of fact, and, you know, listen to some of these people's story. They really are traumatized. And it's, yes. it's even after their case has ended. Um, well, with whistleblowers, 80% of whistleblowers never get a dime. So it's, you know, but yet people scrutinize you as a whistleblower, you know, some people do it. It generally is not that way because people understand that you're just trying to help other people. But, um, but it's just, it's very traumatic. Any of this stuff is just devastating to go through. I, it ages you, it causes health problems. Mm -hmm. All that cortisol running through your system is, is not good for you. Um, And it's like some part, it's like an innocence loss. Like I said before, it's a, it's a, thousand pieces that will I'll only be able to put back maybe 800 of them you know um it'll never be right and it'll never be the way it was again and I I'm dreading Christmas coming up that's gonna suck that makes it hard Um, well you can always call me because it's just going to be me and my husband here so (laughs) yeah we we talked about maybe going to Florida um Mm -hmm. You know, and just getting out of the house for once and because I don't even feel like decorating. I mean, you're just like mm-hmm. kind of like blah, I, this whole COVID thing and everything else. Blah, 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 I don't want to decorate, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and the kids, if they're not going to be around or care, you know, then whatever, I guess. Um, so but but I, 
I think my husband's right though. You know, guys are kind of funny that way. They're kind of cut and dried, you know, yep, and right. I'll, Although he's hurt, you know, he's, he's very hurt, my husband is, because he was always very doting dad over these girls. And um, I think he's more practical in that he's just like, well, screw them. They don't like it. They don't need, you know, I mean, he's just like, blip, 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 and we're just going and fine. It's like you and me time, he says, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and he's right. So, you know, he's always been pretty right most of the time <laughs> throughout right. all this stuff. Right. Um, Right. So that's, yeah, maybe the four of us, we can just go on some boat cruise or do something fun or I don't know. Or even zoom. <laughs> we, we can right. zoom all four of us. We could just, you know, split the yeah. screen. <laughs> yeah, and you know what'll happen? Like every situation will be the two guys will be talking sports or something else. And what you and I will be just doing this, like what we're doing right now. So <laughs> that's how that'll work. <laughs> I well, mean, at least we can go shopping online or something and oh, find definitely. the best deal. <laughs> yes, yes. That's the best time. After Christmas, just buy everything because it's all right on. on sale. Yeah. <laughs> Except for I'm fat and I can't try anything on. I got to lose 10 pounds. That's all there is. I gotta lose oh, hey, pounds. be glad it's only 10. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> right. No, when you get old, you can't do it, buddy. You cannot do it. It doesn't come <laughs> off as easy. No. <laughs> it's, oh. it, it's all right. I, I'm happy with where I am. You know, yeah. I'm happy with where I am in my life and I'm happy with what I'm doing. And I feel like I'm, you know, one thing I live by is to do more good than bad. You know, I right. want to leave the world in a better place than when I came into it. So that's how I feel. And I, and I feel like I'm doing that. So whether my kids are in it or not, or anybody else wants to join me, um, you know, it is what it is. They're welcome to, but they don't have to either. So Mm -hmm. we'll we'll both be okay we'll both be all right it'll it'll work out and anybody else that's going through this uh call me get a hold of me go to whistleblowerrevolution.com if you're a whistleblower i love to hear your stories i'm here to advocate for anybody so too and well that's great and you already have my phone number marianne so you can right. talk, call or text me anytime you want to <laughs> yeah that's great that's great well you know i'll i'll put on the um podcast the uh whistleblower revolution dot com sorry you can hear yourself because you can hear your own uh, interview that you and i did there but i got a lot of really great guests i have um um the very first a chief of staff like a military whistleblower that had to move to he moved to new zealand and i have a 9-11 whistleblower and all these people, I'm very blessed to be able to talk to all of them because they're kind of my heroes. Even though I'm a whistleblower, they're my heroes. So it's kind of cool. So yeah, anybody Definitely. can come over and you can come and hear the lovely Marianne because she is a very lovely soul. You can hear her talk about her story <laughs> on, my web, on my podcast. <laughs> Well, definitely. I'm so glad I had you on and I'll have to have you on again. Maybe we'll do an update in a couple of months. Yes, absolutely. Anytime, anything for you, my friend, not your service. Well, great. We got to stick together. <laughs> we will stick together and uh, slam the gavel is a podcast to help the public understand parental alienation and the court systems. I'm your host, Mary Ann Petrie. I'm the author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and soon to be coming out, Cry for Justice, uh, Poems of Truth will be coming out soon. So join us again for another exciting podcast. And have Hey, are you going to give me a copy of this, um, these poems? I got to read them. I'm, I'm oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I get uh, a couple copies. Yeah. Definitely. And then I can get my Starbucks, see where I'm going with that. And I can definitely. This down. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. I, love, I love my dragon drink. Ooh. You know, because you mentioned right. the t- the T-shirt that you have with about um, I'm a mother of three daughters. I have yeah. uh, I have the T-shirt Mother of Dragons from Game of Thrones. <gasps> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I have that oh, one. Sweet. Yeah, yes. Funny. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will have you on soon. Okay. All and right. we will well, talk soon. <laughs> thanks a lot, Marianne. We'll talk Thank to you, you later. Bye, everybody. Bye, bye.